unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host. Ha <laughs> ha! What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to the Raw and Scripted Show. I'm your host, Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, and you're at the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Raw and Scripted, baby. Every night or every day, every week, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place to be Raw and Scripted, where I either have solo shows where I just talk about whatever it is that can empower your mind and your confidence, or I have amazing guests on here and we just riff back and forth like we're sitting at a bar, we're sitting at a coffee shop designed to move your confidence and your empowerment forward, ladies and gentlemen. So here's the thing that we request from you. Ask us questions in the chat, engage with us in the chat. You like something, comment on it, but also more importantly, take notes. Take notes of what's happening here because I can tell you this, the people that watch the show that take notes, they'll write to me and they'll say, oh my God, Chris, I took notes of the show and I, and I put those things into play and here's the results of what it is that I'm doing. It's one thing to show up to these shows, one thing to, to show up to seminars and everything and get all pumped up and be, yeah, yeah, I feel so good and I'm so inspired. But unless you take action, really within the first 36 hours, but they say 72 hours, but I say within the first 36 hours, if you don't take action on some of the stuff that you learn, guess what? It's going to go poof. And you're going to allow the chaos from the outside world to come back in and infiltrate your mind. So what it is here that I tell you to do is what's worked for me. And if it works for me, it'll work for everybody, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you guys for being here, whether you're live or on the replay, we appreciate you. And also, if you're listening on the audio podcast, we are now in seven different countries. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. We're big in India. I, th I think that's pretty awesome. We're big in the UK and uh, we're starting to grow in Germany and I think a couple other places. I can't remember off the top of my head. So thank you guys for tuning in and listening. And if this episode impacts you, please share it out. Share it out on your social media. Say, hey, listen, I just got list done listening to Chris and Ron and Scripted and his amazing guest who I'm going to introduce here in a second. They blew my mind. They blew my mind. And here's what they blew. And here's what I want for you. And just put that in your social media. That's one way you can pay it forward and help me out by growing the show and growing the impact of what it is that we really want to do here. That's why I show up every single week. That's why I do my Friday night show as well, the Unfiltered Experience. And shh, I got a preliminary announcement. I'm going to be doing another podcast. Shh. It's all going to be about kids. It's all going to be youth empowerment. It's going to be for you parents out there, you teachers out there. We want to give you some tools and some resources to, in order to help the kids of the world today because us adults, we're all fucked up. Let's just be honest. And our time here is limited, but the kids and the kids of their kids, they're the ones that are going to inherit this world. And we want them to inherit a kick-ass world. We want them to inherit an amazing world. And we got to start with ourselves, but more importantly, we got to start with these kids. These kids are struggling right now. COVID's been going on for a couple of years now. We've had a lot of different things going on in the world today. They're returning to school. They're dealing with a lot of chaos. They're dealing with social media pressures. They're dealing obviously with the violence that's going on around the world in malls and in schools and everything else. So we got to be there for our kids, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a parent, please be there for your kids. Do not not know what your kid is doing, what they're up to. Be involved with them. And that's one of the things we're going to be doing with this. Um, so yeah, more information on that to come. And uh, as always, I just want to do a little shout out here for my organization, Help Heal Humanity. Of course, it's all about growing people and healing humanity and taking care of our kids. HelpHealHumanity.org is an amazing organization that I'm on the board of. Been there for a couple of years now. 
Serena Bufflino is amazing. She's our CEO and founder. And basically we are just doing everything across the globe to help heal humanity. Right now we've got a hundred thousand dollar program going on where we're trying to raise, we are raising money to keep our kids in school in Haiti. We have built a school in one of the worst areas in Haiti. And we're intent on sending over a hundred kids back to school uh, when school resumes. And we need your help. We need your help, whether you want to sponsor a child, whether you want to donate, at the worst case, if you want to volunteer for the organization, help us raise funds, whatever it might be, even just as small as saying, hey, helphealhumanity.org, sending it out on your social media, help us raise awareness, help us raise a cause for what we're doing. We're all non-paid volunteers. It's all from the goodness of our heart. And you, if you dig what I'm saying in this podcast, in this show, and I know you do because a lot of you are longtime listeners, please pay it forward and let me know what's going on and uh, do that with your dollar, do that with your hard work, and let's raise some money for Help Heal Humanity. We appreciate, we love you guys. And Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are excited to be here tonight. Um, the individual that I'm going to have on my show tonight, her name is Tracy Randolph. She is an incredible individual. She has a story to tell. More importantly, she's got enthusiasm. She's got answers and solutions. She's the host of two podcasts a week, uh, which we're going to talk about as well. And we're just going to kind of get into what we can do to help you guys expand your knowledge, increase your confidence, and have a kick-ass life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Raw and Scripted Show, Tracy Randolph. What's going on, Tracy? Woo-hoo! Hey! How are you doing? How are you I'm doing? Great. How are you, my brother from another mother? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm here on the West Coast where it's 100 and F degrees um, <laughs> and uh, just like stewing. But uh, fortunately, I got air conditioning and my studio is cool. So I'm appreciative of that. But there what's go. going on with you? Where are you about? I can't remember where you are in the world. I, well, I live in North Carolina, but at the moment I am in New Jersey where I am Ooh. from. So visiting my family this this for two weeks, actually, came for a wedding and then, of course, decided to stay for a little while to just to hang out. Nice, nice. Well, thank you for being here on the Ron and Scripted Show. I know it's 10 o'clock there, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so first question I want to talk about, which I kind of just uh, kind of alluded to in the summary of the the opening of the, of the show. Mm -hmm. The last couple of years, we've all been through chaos. It's been COVID. We were in lockdown. We were masks, all these different things going on. What did you learn most about yourself during COVID and, and those these these last two years? What have you learned most about yourself? I know I learned quite a bit about myself. I know I learned quite a bit about humanity in general, but what is it for you that you learned about yourself during this time? Honestly, that I wasn't living my complete fulfilled life. That's number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I decided to leave my corporate job during COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, knew that I wanted to beforehand, but really just made that move during COVID. But also just understand, I mean, I always thought I was a resilient person, but so many emotions came out. I mean, I'm, I was living in New Jersey at the time. And, you know, this was one of the hotbeds for COVID, New Jersey and New York. We lost so many people in such a short amount of time, as did, you know, a lot of the world. But here, um, because the populate, there's a lot of people in, you know, in, in a oh, yeah. small space, like uh, there's so many people that we just lost so many people at one time. And I just, I started virtual classes during COVID because I just wanted to make myself feel good. And then I just started rallying other women, like, let's just jump on, support each other, work to stay, you know, stay healthy, boost our immune systems, stay sane, right? During this crazy <laughs> time. <laughs> um, so that's what, what was going on with me during COVID. I was just really trying to keep my sanity after so many things happening. Um, I could have lost my mom during that period because she had COVID very early on. And, wow. you know, one thing I said to her was like, don't let them take you to the hospital because I, you know, I have some things 
things that can help you to heal. And she didn't because we had lost so many people in the hospital. So it was just, it was just a crazy time. So just resilience and, you know, making different pivots to say, you know, I'm still going to live life, you know, and yeah. love people, <laughs> you know, throughout this nonsense. Live life and love people. I love that. So yeah. what you talk about in, in leaving your day job, you know, I did that back in November of 2019 and a lot of different emotions came up for me. How was that for you? What was that decision-making process like? And how, more importantly, how did you work through that fear? Because I know there's people watching this and listening to this right now who, mm -hmm. you know, want to do that, but the overwhelming of sense of fear and uncertainty and everything else. Well, talk to us about that process for you and what are some of the things that you thought about and how you overcame those excuses? Well, listen, it was a process, Chris, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I woke up one day and I just left my job. <laughs> that did not happen. It took me seven years, number seven, uh, you know, um, the number for completion, right? It took me seven years to leave my job. So I had started the process of doing some of the things that I love. So I went and got my um, health coaching and life coaching certification, did all of that while I was working, started planning. You know, I didn't just sit up one day and just say, I'm going to leave. And then that fear um, came in because I, you know, I had that regular paycheck and I have a child also that I need to take care of as you met my, my little guy. Um, mm -hmm, but, beautiful. you know, so I, yeah, th thank you. I was thinking about, you know, him and the fact that I had to take care of him as well and, you know, just expenses and things that need to get done. So I started the planning process um, seven years ago, <laughs> started to do the things that I needed to do. And I, you know, and that fear kept me there longer probably than I should have. But it was almost like God was tapping me on my shoulder. You know, so many things were happening in my life, even before I left. Like, you know, everything started like nudging me and tapping me and saying, you need to leave. But I didn't because that fear kicked in. And I was like, well, how am I going to pay for everything that I need to pay for? How am I going to take care of my child? You know, how am I going to do something completely different after, you know, being an accountant for over 20 years? How am I going to do this? So that fear definitely kicked in, but I planned and I planned and I prayed and I prayed and I planned <laughs> and I prayed. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I can really say, I just, decided during COVID, like life is too short. And that was the time. And most people probably would have said, you know, I really can't do this now, but I was so stressed out on my job. I was like, I have to do this now because life is too short, you know, and everything that I prepared for, listen, it's like, all right, you know, either get out there and do it or just be miserable and be, be okay with being miserable. So then I just said, you know, it's time to leave. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's a, that's a term I, I originally, I coined probably about a year ago or so. I, I call it comfortably miserable. Like when you're in a job and you're getting paid just enough and you're just comfortable enough, but you're just like, okay, there it's a dead end. And I, and I, I'm not happy and I'm stressed out and I'm sitting in traffic and I'm doing all these things and I get home and I'm burnt out. And I don't want to spend time with my family because I'm tired and everything else comfortably miserable. And I've seen so many people through COVID and, and those conversations exactly just like you start taking a step back and reevaluating and going, really, what's my bigger purpose in life? What's my bigger priority in life? Mm -hmm. Is it to, is it to, to make money, to, to buy things, to be burned out and then to get sick later on and spend the rest of my life trying to get better? No, right. it's about really, truly living right now. And you brought up a word that I want you to expand up, expand upon. Mm -hmm. um, you said resiliency before, mm -hmm. and I happen to know some of your backstory and I'll let you tell it, but uh, where did Tracy learn the most resiliency in her life? Oh, well, listen, I learned resiliency from my mother. 
Um, honestly, she has a she has a story, and that's it's part of my story too. But you know, she was in an abusive situation with my father, and she has always been one of the most resilient women. And I've always looked up to her for that because just the strength and the tenacity and just the push forward that she showed throughout those years just really influenced me. Um, as you know, a child, and then as a young woman, and as a woman, um, as a person who just knew I needed to get out here and just do things for myself. Like I just saw that in her, so it just automatically um, trickled over over to me. Nice. Yeah. And then, so and then I, I'm gonna give the other raw part of my story, right? I was because this is authentic and unscripted, right? I was the person who told my father that he had to go at 12 whoa. years old. So I feel like all of all that she taught me. Um, got had me prepared for even that moment, you know, and don't get me wrong, I was 12. So I didn't really think much about it. I just knew that this couldn't continue. And I and I love my mother so much that I was just not prepared to allow that to continue to happen to her. So that was it. Wow. Have you have you been still in contact with him now? I mean, 12 years old, well, you're a little bit older now. He's well, my father is deceased now. He He passed away when I was 22. Um, and we had our moments after that where we were really close. And then we kind of when when he passed away, I wasn't close to him um, mm. because I was angry, you know, because at that point I was 22. So I knew how to be angry at 22. <laughs> you know, Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So um, I was angry with him when he when he passed away. So I had to forgive him after he died. You know, I didn't do that before he left here. Ooh, ooh, forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite words. Talk to us about that process because I know a lot of people are struggling with that. They're they're blaming people and they're blaming people from their past and they're 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 not able to continue on with that anger and that 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 animosity and everything. And I know for me when when I found a way to forgive my mom and all the different things that she did, the physical abuse, the mental abuse, the spiritual abuse, everything taking me out of school at, and when I was 13 years old and being homeless and everything. Once I found a way to process that anger and that animosity and give her forgiveness, my world opened up. So talk to us about that process for you and, and how forgiveness works for you. Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of talking to him from the grave, to be honest, um, just in my house. I had many nights where I just I cried and I talked to him and, you know, tried to just kind of iron it out. I prayed a lot. I was in church um, very early on in my life. You know, my family's always had me in church. Well, my family was raised in the church. I was raised in the church. So definitely that connection. I'm a faith based person. And, you know, I had to just pray through it and just talk to him, even though he wasn't there you know, to let everything out that I couldn't say to him while he was alive, I had to let out when I was, you know, at home alone. Um, and it really did give me some peace just to yell it out, you know, and I did, I yelled, <laughs> I yelled a lot. <laughs> you mother, I... <laughs> Say that again? No, I was just gonna say you mother effer, but yeah, I don't know exactly. if you swear or not. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to, but you know, sometimes it comes out. <laughs> In those moments, man, it's just a good release. It's like you, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know from I know for me in the process of forgiveness and empathy, for me, it happened when I sat there and I thought about it. I'm like, you know, my mom always told me that she was four years old, even when I was younger. And I'm like, mom, you're you're a grown ass adult, you know, start acting like it. Why don't you start start taking responsibility and stop focusing on all your cats? She had a lot of cats, like 30 cats. You oh, know, wow. when we got when we got evicted from our house. I wound up in the backseat of a station wagon with 18 cats and four dogs. Wow. Literally, they were going to call the cops, have us evicted, like physically evicted. But we had until five o'clock and literally we were stuffing as many cats as we could get in the car. Wow. God's honest truth. I just wrote about this in the book that we went back to that house like every night for a week trying to find the other cats. And we already had a, a, a station wagon full of cats. Wow. Well, my point is this, when I was sitting there, when she kept saying that she was four years old, I'm like, mom, you're a grown ass adult. 
simultaneously, it was around the time where I was starting to study child psychology and learning about the conditioning process that happens between zero and five and how our, how our opinions and our beliefs about society and ourselves are really shaped by, during those times. And I'm like four years old, four years old. And I'm like, I, just a question popped in my brain. I'm like, what happened to her at four years old? Mm -hmm. And then I remember that's when her parents got divorced. Wow. And that's when, that's when she went with her psychotic mother, who was my grandmother, who I didn't particularly care for. Mm -hmm. And her, her dad, you know, was a, what we called a holiday dad. Like we saw him on mother's day. We saw him on Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. we saw him on Christmas, but she really didn't see him any other time. And that really hurt her. You know, that abandonment hurt her. And then her mom was physically abusive towards her. Didn't let her have a childhood, wanted her to be scholastically brilliant in which my mom was, but she was people stupid. Mm -hmm. And as a result, she frequented the men, you know, she really liked the men, but she had daddy issues. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, had abortions and miscarriages. And actually I was supposed to be placed for adoption. So when I started looking at that, I asked myself this one question, this one question has helped so many people. I mm -hmm. said, if I walked in her shoes, if I walked in her path, mm -hmm. had all the different experiences that she did, might I be like her? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to say it, but I'm like, yeah, I would probably have been like her. Mm -hmm. So that gave me the opportunity to release and surrender a lot of that anger and animosity because, you know, when she told me that she did the best that she could with what she, what she had, I still mm -hmm. call bullshit. But at the same time, I'm like, with her mind and what she was born with, maybe that was her best. And yeah. so I was able to sit there, reposition my thinking to say, okay, instead of what she did to me, then I rephrased it as what she did for me. And now I'm the man I am today. And now I'm an amazing dad to my five-year-old son. I don't yeah. physically abuse him. I never spanked him. And she mm -hmm. would warn me don't have kids. And I'm like, why don't I, why shouldn't I have kids? And she goes, because, you know, abuse runs in our family. Mm. Like it's like it's some sort of like it's cancer or heart disease or something like that. Mm. I'm like, no, you made a choice to beat the shit out of me. You yeah. made a choice not to go to anger management. You made a choice to do all these things. Yeah. And I'm still here and I'm stronger for it. But, you know, I really didn't agree with what she did, but it was allowed me to give her that forgiveness. And mm -hmm. now through my coaching clients, I'm able to, to really peel a large part of their anger and animosity away because I'm like, just think about that person and what position they were in and what they grew up with. Might you be like, them? And they're like, dang, I never really thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what worked for me. So thank you for sharing that because forgiveness is, is massive. I mean, has there been any other times in your life where you've had to learn to forgive someone? Um, yeah, my son's father. Fathers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, are not a good thing in your life. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it has not been a good thing. But but yeah, he pretty much abandoned me when um, my son came. You know, he was kind of on again, off again, and and had to forgive him too. Um, and and at that point, I was already at the place where I was like, I don't need an explanation as long as I can love from where I am, then I'm, then I'm okay. Once I, you know, can move past it. Cause I had to feel it first and then move past it and release all the anger. And once I did that, I'm like, I'm fine. Like I'm fine with him now to this day. <laughs> like yeah. we're, we're good, but you know, he still doesn't do what he's supposed to, but it, you know, for me, it's okay to be perfectly honest with you. Cause I love my son and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that he's good. So it is what it is, you know? I love that. I love that. We got, we got Dano in the house. What's up, Dano? He says two amazing Dano! people. Thank you, Daniel, Dano, for being here. Dano is a friend of ours. We all met uh, at the Power We Symposium in, uh, in Chicago. What was that? May, June? Like, in June, uh, April, actually, April, it April. It's like yeah. time is flying by so fast. Two yeah. amazing people. And, and one of them's right here. And Dano has been on the show as well. So you, I want to talk about this. So my son's five years old. We adopted him from birth. Mm -hmm. and, oh, he remembers 18, April 28th. Thank you, Dano. Um, 
So my son's five years old and I think about how much I've changed since I became a dad. And I really didn't want to become a dad for most of my life. I was like indifferent about it. Like I love my freedom and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, what is being, I know, and I know it's taught me a lot. What is being a parent taught you about yourself and about life? Ooh, that I had the power to really love somebody unconditionally. Like really, really. I said to my mom, when my son came out, I was like, I never, and I love, love, love my mom, but I've never felt a love like that before. Um, when my son came out, I was like, oh, I have the power to really love because I was career chasing, to be honest with you, because of, you know, kind of what I was taught in the past. It's like, go get your own girl. You know, that was that was the attitude um, because I have all these amazing women in my life who are really strong women. So it was like, go get your own. So that's what I was focused on. I was focused on going to get my own. But God had a different path for me. He was like, nope. I need you to love. I need you to see that, you know, like this money that you're chasing and this career that you're chasing, that's not important. You know, yep. so that's what I learned first um, being a parent. But I know we talked about this a little bit at the power of we patience, <laughs> patience, patience mm -hmm. and oh, more. Boy. Patience. And my son is a teenager now. So, you know, the the the, uh, the attitude is a little bit different sometimes. He's a good kid. But, you know, listen, he has his moments. He has his teenager moments where that attitude kicks in and, you know, the mouth goes to a place where I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> those words, some words come out that I don't like. So I'm like, oh, no, buddy, <laughs> this is not how things are going down here. But, um, yeah, so patience is a, is a big one. Mm -hmm. How does, does he respect you in those moments or is he like trying to still test his, his will and his individuality? It's, it's a little like, you know, a little quieter, but he's saying things, you know, to test, to definitely test the waters, you know, not, he's never disrespectful, you know, he doesn't use um, derogatory words or he doesn't curse. It, he's not doing any of that, but it's just the, the talking back, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, the low talking back. <laughs> that's what yeah. comes out and the, and the attitude behind it, you know? Um, but it is what it is. He's a teenager. Uh, it's, it's to be expected. I did it. I did it to my mom. I have to say, mm -hmm. I definitely what they did. call it? paybacks or a what? Yeah. Payback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> paybacks are a bitch. Like, yep. Yeah. That's... And he's like a, he's a, you know, Mr. Smarty pants. So he's very analytical in his thinking and very logical in his thinking. So that's, that's what comes out. And he thinks he knows more than I do sometimes. <laughs> Oh, those oh, are that's the what worst. Comes out. Yeah, that's what comes out. Those are the worst. One of my one of my friends has a brilliant kid. I think he's eleven or twelve right now, and he's so smart. Um, he tells his dad that he comes up with arguments. He's like, "Why do I have to do my homework? You know, they you know they want to teach us algebra, but now there's these apps. Why do I have to do this? You know, yeah. it seems stupid." And he's like, really super brilliant. He's and my friend RF is like telling me he's like, "I have to come up with these really smart answers back to him." So it's like they're playing tennis. Like he serves the ball and he's like. Okay, let me think about this. How can I say this back to him? That and sometimes he just says, you know what? I agree with you. Mm -hmm. He just he just puts his guard. He goes, I agree with you, but this mm -hmm. is the this is the format. This is the structure we have to go through. This is how we have to play the game. And sometimes mm -hmm. we have to play that game. So he gives his son advice, like this is what you do. This is how you swallow it, get your stuff done, and then go do what you need to do. Yeah. But I know for me, um, oh, that was the other question I was going to ask you. Um, since your son is is eight years older than mine. Looking back on your life when your son was five, would you do anything different to prepare him to be different now at 13? Mm, I think I would prepare him to just really, which I'm doing now, but if I if I could could have started it at five and realized it myself, 
um, when he was five, I would prepare him to really just live the life that he really wants to and start to move to towards that. And, you know, even if that's just exploration, because at five, you, you don't really know what you want to do with your life. Right. But just even if that's exploring different things that he's he was interested in at that time to, to like open up the world a little bit more for him, then I definitely would have done more of that. Oh yeah. That's what, see, that's the thing I'm conflicted with. One of my friends gave me great advice, which still haunts me to this day. She goes, Chris, if you don't want to see it at 13, you better not see it at five. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like trying to be flexible and I don't want to be, you know, the dad that's always like, stop doing that. And you need to be doing this. Cause I've seen mm -hmm. dads like that. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like balancing that line of, of discipline and structure, but also freedom. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, Chris, just because you don't think he should do that you know, doesn't mean that he shouldn't do that because I want him to be him. I don't want him to be encumbered by anything else. So I'm like trying to walk that line. But my friend said that she goes, if you don't want to see it at 13, you better not see it at five. So I'm like being more structured, like you got to pick up your room before you get your iPad. You got to, you know, like really build these things in a play for him. And he gets all pissed off. And I'm like, I'm doing this for your own good. And my friends who have kids who are older in their 20s now, they tell me that they're like, well, Chris, be careful because when you know if you're too lenient then they'll then they'll turn out super lenient it goes but uh, i just had a buddy of mine tell me that his kids thanked him now for being hard on them when they were young mm -hmm. so i'm like trying to balance that that line of okay tough love but at the same time letting him be who he wants to be yeah so, yeah uh, and it is a balancing act right because you don't want to shut them down right you want them to have some freedom so that they can explore life and and see things from a different perspective right you don't want to completely shut them down like the old school way of doing things like you can't like boys right i'm just going to use the boys as an example since we both have boys but you can't cry you can't talk you can't talk back or you know try to even debate a little bit and i do let him do that because mm -hmm. i want to understand his perspective and point of view of everything right but you know, there's there's that balancing act to try to see like, okay, I don't want to completely shut him down, but then also he can't be disrespectful, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, what what types of punishment? Just now, I'm just asking you from parent to parent. What types mm -hmm. of punishment or discipline really work the best for him? Taking things away that he really loves, like those video games at the mm -hmm. moments, <laughs> taking those things away. And and listen, he's he doesn't get much of that because he's not doing that much. Um, for me to take them away. But when it comes to that point where, all right, you're getting a little, it's a little too much now. So you can't play video games today or today and tomorrow, whatever it is, you know, but that's the big thing for him because he loves video games. Like he's very intentional about, okay, I got to get my schoolwork done because I want to play, which I love because he makes sure that, you know, what needs to get done gets done first. And then, but those games, he loves video games. Don't they all? My son's yeah. downstairs playing them right now. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, we got him. We got him a little uh, Nintendo. I don't know what the hell it's called, Switch, Switch or something like that. Uh -huh. I play it too. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm like, uh -huh. how can we get Galaga on here? I want to play Galaga, and he's like, Dad, what's Galaga? I'm like, that's a, that's when video games were invented. Yeah, yeah, old school. <laughs> old school, yeah. So I want to go back to resiliency because that, for some reason, that's still coming up in my brain. Talk to us about a time, maybe in your life, aside from having to be at 12 years old and tell your dad. I am sayonara, which is a tough thing to do. Talk mm -hmm. to us about any other time in your life where you went through something that was, was challenging, excruciating. Talk to us about how you got through that and what lessons you learned from it. Mm. Um, I would say having breast cancer was definitely um, one of those times where I had to show resiliency. But really for me, what because my, my son was young then, he was, oh gosh, maybe three, four years old oh, at wow. the time. Um, it was really, I was more, really more thinking about him. Like he needs his mom. So I need to just get it right, you know, figure out what I need to do, you know? So I got on my knees and once again, I was praying, oh, yeah, <laughs> praying I would be too, and, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. But um, before cancer, I had this, you know, this event that happened. It was like Hurricane Sandy at the time here in New Jersey, and we lost all of our power. And I'm sitting on, I had this sectional sofa. And my, at the time, we had a portable DVD player that we used to take when my son was young, when we traveled in the car. And we were watching that. We were watching Cars. I remember we were watching Cars on the portable it. DVD player, one of the best Disney movies out there, by the way, mm -hmm. <laughs> on the portable DVD player. And the candles are on and everything. And I'm, I'm praying about a tree in my neighbor's yard because the tree's dead and it was huge, huge, huge tree and it was dead. And I'm like, please don't let this tree come down, not on her house, not on ours, you know, just keep this tree intact. And I felt this like peace, but then it was like my whole house illuminated, right? Lit up and it's just candles on, power outside, everything, all the power's out. But my house lit up like it, the sun was shining outside. And I immediately knew that it was like, okay, everything is going to be okay. But then not only that, I felt like the, a dome came down over my house. Whoa. Really? Like, I, it was almost like I heard it hit. That's how powerful it was. And I'm like, well, okay, God, I understand. So my son fell asleep. I blew out the candles and went to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, that big tree, that old sick tree, big tree, still intact, no branches from it, nothing. The only thing that fell was this very small piece of um, my fence, our adjoining fence. That was the only thing with all the, you know, trees and lines down around us. That was the only thing that came down. So I knew in that moment, I, well, I thought in that moment that God was telling me everything was going to be all right with that tree. A month later, I found out I had breast cancer. Mm. When I found out I had breast cancer, I knew that God was preparing me for something else. And he was saying, I got you, not for the tree not falling down, but for the breast cancer. So once I got over the initial shock of it and thought about that moment, I was like, okay, this is bigger than me. He was preparing me for something more, which is why like that whole seven years of mm -hmm. preparing me to, to become a coach and, and learning about nutrition and exercise, all that came from that experience also, because he was like, I got more for you. There's something else for you to do here. And it's not what you're currently doing. And you didn't see that. He, I was supposed to see that when I had my child. And I didn't see it when I had my child. I ignored it, you know. So mm -hmm. then when that experience happened and he said, I got to give you something greater, something to threaten your life because you're not listening to me, girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I need to slap in the face. He did this. So, exactly. But he had to give me that experience, too, for me to recognize and and trust and even have even more faith in him. So he showed up in a big way, super profound for me. And I was like, everything is going to be all right. But I still had to exercise that resilience. And I, I went into research mode and completely changed my life um, because of that particular event, you know, completely, like not just, you know, the health perspective, right, for the physical body, but the mind, you know, my spirit, and then even just what I was going to do with my life. So. Ooh, I want to dig into that. I want to dig into that. Talk yeah. to us about some of the things that came to you that you realized that you were doing that maybe were harming your, your mind or your body. And what are mm -hmm. some of those things that you shifted? Cause I got a friend of mine. Uh, he's been on the show as well. Heath is a dear friend of mine. He went, he's had cancer twice and mm -hmm. now he is like full on, you know, like juice, you know, he does everything like to make sure he never has cancer in his body again. He doesn't eat sugar, like mm -hmm. all these different things. And he's like, I swear about it. He goes, it's a pain in the butt. He goes, mm -hmm. but this is the thing I learned. So what are some of those, those processes that you learned? Cause I know the, the viewers and the, the listeners on the podcast will definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Sugar definitely is a big deal. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, and any doctor that you go to, any good doctor will tell you to, to cut the sugar um, when, especially when it comes to, to cancer, cause it just feeds off of 
that sugar. Um, and sugar is just like a drug. Um, so it's very addictive. So it's hard to get rid of. But at the same time, it's, some, it's very necessary. So sugar was a big one for me. Um, at the time, I didn't eat pork or beef when this happened because faddishly, I, I quit those in college. Um, but I reduced um, my meat. I still eat chicken and I still eat fish. Um, but just reduce that. But a lot of vegetables, you know, incorporated a lot more vegetables. I actually just went today. I was looking here in New Jersey for a plant based um, restaurant so I can go get a whole bunch of food that I like and not have to um, eat any meat. Because, you know, sometimes when we gather the, the chicken, the chicken is one of those things that have been hard for me. But um, I still do eat, eat it sometimes. But just to incorporate a cleaner lifestyle you know, completely, um, even like the foods that I buy, like, so the chicken is definitely organic, you know, no antibiotics, you know, none of the yeah. cases, the preservatives, the, to read the ingredients on packages, right? So I won't say that I don't buy food in a package, but if I buy it, I have to know what's in it, right? Um, so that's, that's the thing that I started doing, reading um, ingredients, and then started incorporating things that I knew would help me, certain herbs and spices like turmeric and ginger. Yeah. Those are things I never... I never ate before and they make a world of difference in our health. I started taking um, wheatgrass shots, you know, like just things that I knew would help my body to um, recover, to, you know, pH balance it, to do all the things that were going to have my cells healthy. Cause that's really, you got to get down to the cellular level when you're needing to fight disease. So I just started learning about that and how to incorporate those things in, into my lifestyle. Mm, and that's what you coach people on now. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I started, which I never would have even known about had I not had cancer is, and I'm going to get a little bit raw on this one too, is I started to cleanse and I started doing this cleanse. It's almost like liquid Drano for your intestines. Um, really amazing. And the, and I have proof that it's really amazing. So I started doing after, um, you know, after I had all my surgeries and everything, I started to, to cleanse. And then at 50 years old, which was just last year, I went and got my first colonoscopy. So I'm going to talk about that. Right. That too. <laughs> right. So my doctor, my, my doctor and the nurse said, we don't know what looks better, your insides or your outsides. And they showed me pictures of it super clean my intestines my colon clean i know that that was attributed to of course changing my habits and changing the way i ate but then also cleansing because you know things get stuck in there just like you know your pipes for your, your sink and everything things get stuck in there and that cleanse helped to push everything out so just amazing to actually see the results of what i started when i started living a healthy lifestyle nice what's that what's the name of the cleanse it's called V-Phase Body Cleanse. Um, I know the I happened to meet the owners and started and, and it all started because the, the owner, the wife had uh, problems and they found tumors and she didn't want to have surgery and she didn't want to take, you know, medicinal um, practices to, to make sure that she was okay because she felt like that wouldn't make her okay, would make it worse. And she started to speak with holistic doctors and came up with this particular cleanse. So it has... Um, uh, this bentonite, volcanic bentonite clay and psyllium husk powder that kind of, you know, makes volcanic things. and cleanse. That's yeah. <laughs> I just conjured up a dumb and dumber scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's amazing stuff. Um, is one of the things that I actually gave my mom when she was dealing with COVID and, you know, not, you know, not the snap of a finger, but, you know, within a few days she was feeling much better. So just, it, one of the things that I, I know that you had mentioned in the post about some of the things that I do, 
when you cleanse, right, and when you can clear out your gut, it's one of the most important things that you should do for your body. If you can clear out your gut, um, you can start to live a much healthier lifestyle when you consider your your digestive system. Talk to us about that because I know I'm 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 on the surface level of micro micro mitochondria mitochondria right. That's what's in your body. That that's what the mitochondria that's oh, in your the, stomach that helps you digest. Oh, the like the microbiome, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk to us about that, and talk to us how about how important it is. Because I know I take painkillers and stuff like that. I've been on painkillers for a while. Mm-hmm. I take an eight hundred milligram ibuprofen, mm-hmm. and I found out that the ibuprofen is killing my mitochondria or my microbiome, mm-hmm. so my food's not digesting very well. So it's all kind of just leading up to you know a negative outcome. Talk to us about that process, and 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 as well as you can in a novice way, you know, educate some of our listeners and our viewers. Yeah. Yeah. So if you change the the dynamic of, of that, it's hard for your microbiome. It's hard for your body to fight disease because it's like if you think about it, you've got um, like these good little I don't even know what to call it. Right. But just, just these good little microbiomes that are helping to flush your system. And then you got the bad ones that's contributing to all the disease. So you have to try to balance that out and you want more good than bad, right? Um, to put it in layman's terms, you want a lot more good than bad so that you can fight fight disease. Because otherwise, if you're eating the things like the sugars and you've got all the synthetics and your food and preservatives and all those things um, that your body doesn't really know how to process so it gets stuck there, it's contributing to the bad microbiome. And then you can't release the things that you need to release, right? So the toxicity stays stuck. And then it starts to get into your blood system. And then that starts to create other problems or it starts to kill your, your cells. And then that creates other problems. And when your body can't release all of that, it harbors your body's harboring it. And then that's what causes disease and illness. And that's the things that you don't want. So that's the reason why you need to clear your gut and um, our bodies. We take in all of our nutrients from our small intestines. For the most part, it's like 80 something percent of our nutrients come from our small intestines. So if we're not clearing that out, we're not getting the good stuff in either. You know, we're harboring the bad and we're not even allowing the good nutrients and vitamins that we need to go into our blood system so that we can survive and thrive and that our cells can thrive. So that's the other reason to make sure that you clean out your your digestive system. So what are some, and that's great advice. Thank you. What are some ways that we can start with that? You know, aside from the volcanic lens, which is now stuck in my brain, what are some <laughs> other ways that we can kind of reset the, the gut biome and microbiome, I guess, and, and kind of shift that, that, that process? Yeah. So I would say do what you described your friend was doing. Start to juice a lot more, start to eat um, a lot more fruits and vegetables. And, and if you can, you know, do it raw as much as possible because you're going to get the, the maximum amount of nutrients from your food when it's raw. And I would err on the side of staying with more of the whole the whole foods like those fruits and vegetables, some, you know, lentils and legumes you can do as well. Um, but a lot of fruits and vegetables to change the dynamic in your in your intestines and in your colon. You definitely want to do that. That's the biggest way to start. And you want to even before you cleanse, you want to start that whole process because your your body needs to get used to eating well before you even start to clear it out. Cause you know, when you start to cleanse, you're going to feel some fatigue, you know, and you're going to think something's wrong. No, it's just, it's releasing everything that your body was feeding off of. So you're going to be tired and initially, but 
once um, that process, you can start to get used to that process, you feel rejuvenated. And it does so many different things for you, like your skin and, and your energy, like you just feel so much better. And then, you know, you can't see what's happening on the inside, right? There's certain things that'll happen on the outside where it'll, it'll make you feel better. But, you know, when your organs um, are good for, so for me to get that picture, of you know what was happening on the inside that's the biggest part of it you want to make sure that the insides are good so start to eat all those great fruits and vegetables and i would say as many different ones as you can right just to incorporate um, all the good nutrients and good herbs and spices too don't don't rule those out because they make a big difference mm, i know my wife cooks she does she uses all the herbs and spices so i love that and i take additional turmeric and curcumin for infl inflammation and everything so mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that yeah one of the things i want to touch on that i'm very very passionate about when i sit there and i work with a client initially and i ask them like you know so what's going on in your in your life you know talk to me about how you're feeling 99 percent of the time like well i'm tired and i'm this and i don't feel good and i can't concentrate and all these different things the one question i ask them is how much water do you drink Mm, that's a good so one. I know you know this. Talk to us from your perspective, how important hydration is to the overall feeling, sense of well-being, ability yeah. to have clarity and everything else about hydration. Oh, my goodness. It's a big part of it. What Put it this way, right? Our bodies are made up of mostly water. So you, you want to be able to replenish the water, right? Give it to your body. You want to make sure that you do that. Um, and there's, um, if you look at reports, if you just Google it and, and look at um, just what being dehydrated does to you, and one day of dehydration makes a difference, right? So then if you start to compound that over a period of time, you know, your organs start to shut down, they start to suffer, it affects every little thing. So we were talking about the digestive system, it affects that, it affects your skin, it affects your energy. Um, there's so many different diseases that happen when you are not hydrated, like everything about your body needs water, every organ needs water, Every tissue needs water. Every mm -hmm. muscle needs water. You know, it's hard to even build muscle when you're dehydrated. It, it's just, it, it doesn't happen, you know? So you want to make sure that even if you're just looking to get buffed up, drink the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to drink the water. Yeah. What's uh, what's the, what's the yeah. latest buzz about water um, that it has? What, 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 I'm drawing a blank now. Mm -hmm. um, water with, okay. Um, Alkaline water. Alkaline water. Yes. Thank you very much. Is sure. that important? Cause I, I read conflicting reports like alkaline. Yes. Alkaline. No, I got alkaline strips a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Really didn't see any difference on how much alkaline I drank and the difference on this, the, the color of the strips that I was using. Talk to us about that. Well, your body being pH balanced allows those cells again to recover, right? It allows those cells to fight disease. So you're supposed to have, there's a, there's a scale um, and you're supposed to be like right there in the middle, which is like a seven. If you take the, the test and you're looking at the test and it gives you the numbers, sometimes it gives you colors. Um, but if it gives you the numbers, your pH balance is supposed to be at a seven. You're not supposed to be too alkaline and you're not supposed to be too acidic right there in the middle. And then you know that your, your cells are operating properly and they'll be able to fight um, and they'll have enough, enough oxygen because you need oxygen <laughs> to fight disease. So they'll have enough oxygen. So the water... Um, can help, but unfortunately, all alkaline water is not made equal. So you have to look at, you know, the testing behind the alkaline water to make sure that it's good. But spring water is also good um, if it's coming from a natural spring because it's coming from nature. So the only thing that you have to worry about is these plastic bottles, right? 
um, and making sure that um, there's companies out there that don't have um, the harmful toxins in the bottles anymore. So you want to look for that as well. But the alkalinity part of it definitely does make a difference if you can balance out your, your pH levels. And there's a lot of fruits and vegetables that give you that too. Like mm-hmm. um, broccoli, people right? always thought about, I don't know, not the broccoli. Um, it's more of the citric uh, citrus fruits. Um, okay. Lemon is a big one. Pineapples are a big one. But also avocado has the highest pH balance of the fruits. It's like a, like a 12.5. Um, so love my avocado. Yeah. So even out of, I can't get that out sometime here, but eating avocado, <laughs> say that 10 times fast, right? That will also help to pH balance your body. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I want to dig into your coaching. Mm-hmm. You're known as the reset coach. Yes. So how do we reset ourselves? What is, what is your process for working with new clients and, and how do we reset our mindset, our bodies and everything else? We've kind of talked about our bodies, but getting into the mindset, how do we, how do we just like get prepared to reset? Cause I know so many people are struggling with wanting to stay the same. It's comfortable. It's mm-hmm. familiar and everything else, but I'm all about, you know, getting out of my comfort zone, getting mm-hmm. uncomfortable with being comfortable or getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that process of resetting. Cause I think a lot of people that are watching the show right now and listening to this are like we said at the top of the show, they're ready to jump from their job. They're ready to, to go embrace life and live and fully exist and fully commit. Mm-hmm. What are some of those processes that you do with your clients to get them to reset? Yeah. So a part of that is, you know, recognizing when you're at the end of the end, right? (laughs) Of whatever it is that you're trying to change, the end of your comfort zone, you're at the end of the end of your comfort zone, because a lot of times we get there and then we stay there, right? Um, So it's helping clients to recognize, you know, where they are, why they want the changes that they want, how important is it to them, connecting them with everything that's really important to them about why they want to make those changes. And sometimes that's experiential. It's not just, I'm saying it, Um, Because a lot of times you say it and then it's it's out the window. Right. So it's really connecting them with experiences on, you know, why you really want this and what it's going to do for you when you get it. Right. And connecting you to see yourself at the end of it and how you're going to feel when you get there. Right. That's the biggest part of it. So that's that's the reset part. That's the mindset change piece of it. I love that. I love that. Something I've found that I want to share with you and get your opinion on. Over the course of COVID, I started giving complimentary coaching sessions out, just my way of paying it forward and giving it back. Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do for people? I can give them an hour of my time, you know, and, and set them up for success, give them some strategies to be able to get their head out of their ass and like stay focused during the chaos. And I probably did almost a couple of hundred of them at least. And I started noticing by about the 30th one, I started noticing people's body language and everything. I was doing them over Zoom. And so something told me, my little whisper told me, ask them a question and then watch their response. And so the question came to me and I said to the person, I said, okay, listen, I'm going to ask you a question. You may think it's crazy, but I want you to answer it as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look at me, like, what are you going to ask me? And I'm like, do you love yourself? Yes or no. And I started seeing people get uncomfortable, Tracy, like, well, I, well, that's a good question. I think so. I think for the most part, or you know what? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I saw so many people, probably 70% of the people that I talked to, the amount of statistician, statistician, how do you say that? We're, we're tripping over our words all over the place. I've been talking all day. Um, I'm like tired of hearing myself talk. Um, and I was surprised and I started digging into that and recognizing that now that's like the core foundation of everything that we go from yeah. is to be able to say that we love ourselves un- unconditionally and unapologetically. What is that for you? What do you do for your clients who perhaps struggle with loving themselves? What ideas or what suggestions do you have for them to start loving and embracing themselves faults and all? Yeah. 
Um, I'll give you an example of um, someone that, you know, I was coaching through this and she was having a hard time just not, you know, implementing any self-care, not loving the way she looked, not loving that woman that she saw in the mirror. And I said to her, I said, what do you think about your daughter? She has two daughters. And I'm like, what do you think about your daughters? You know, and she just started talking about how beautiful they were. And I'm like, they came from you. You know, so if you could really recognize that you made something this beautiful, what do you then what do you think about yourself? What do you feel about yourself knowing that you made these two beautiful human beings? And she started to think about it. And she's like, whoa, you know, because she loves her daughters. Right. She's like, OK, I get it now, you know, but that was one of the, the exercises that we went through. And of course, it went deeper than that. But just to give you an example of, you know, just her identifying that, oh, my daughters are beautiful and I love them. And, you know, they had so much going for them. And I'm like, well, they're yours. And they came. Mm -hmm. from so not only did you make them physically right, but you contributed to all that beauty. Right. Um, even psychologically and emotionally and, you know, and mentally. So because of that, you know, look at the person that you are now. What, what can you say about yourself now, knowing what you've done with them? And then that just changed the whole perspective. And when she started to write that out, it changed her whole perspective about herself. So much so, like she has her own business and she's a coach also for something nice. completely different. But, you know, she posts um, the self-care that she's doing for herself now. I love that. I love that. Because yeah. when I think about like shifting perspective. So many people are looking for like the big shift. Mm -hmm. Like I want the the big aha or everything like that. Mm -hmm. I just invite people just to have that little, like that little perspective shift. Cause when you have a little perspective shift, you see things a little bit differently. And then that builds on something and that builds on something. And like we were talking about before, you know, when I have the ability to find empathy and forgiveness for people that I don't care for, mm -hmm. that shifts my, that shifts my lens from looking at things from a fearful standpoint to a loving standpoint. Mm -hmm. and when I love myself and I'm taking care of myself, I'm hydrating, I'm getting a proper amount of sleep. I'm new getting nutrition, I'm exercising. And that's my first recommendation to everybody. Like love yourself, mm -hmm. hydration, nutrition, exercise, get outside, get some vitamin D, be consistent about it. Don't expect it to be overnight. Give it a couple of months, couple of weeks at least start to see that shift. And what that does is that builds that more confidence. It's like, yeah. Oh, I've got clarity. I'm going to take on this challenge and I'm going to do this and I'm going to get a coach and I'm going to get somebody, an accountability partner, all those things, just those little shifts start to really create massive progress. I call it the compound principle. I didn't make that up, but Darren Hardy wrote that book, the compound principle. And it's so true. Like you start changing a little bit of things, you start shifting that you start taking action and it's incredible what it is that you can accomplish. And by the way, our show is almost up. It's like, we've already been talking for 48 minutes. Mm -hmm. I want to get into because I am the no excuses coach. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to find out what are Tracy's excuses and how does Tracy mm -hmm. overcome her own excuses? Oh, that's a good one. And I can tell you right off the bat, I use my excuses when it comes to social media. I'm going to tell you, um, you know, when it comes to business and just utilizing social media more and just putting it out there, I definitely. Um, yeah, that's the that's the area that that I need to, that I need to improve on that I recognize that I have to improve on every day. So when you see me posting, it's like, girl, just do it. Just do it. I was I went to the because I don't even think I like living life out loud. And I love people like going to the power of we and meeting you in person. That's what I love. Yeah. Right. So the social media part, the virtual part, not so much. This is great. Right. Because we still have this connection and I can see you. But yep. when it comes to just putting something out there, it's like there's no contact. I'm not you know, I, I am touching people and that's what I have to think about. And that's what I tell myself, like you are touching people, you're reaching people. Um, but I like that, you know, that close connection um, and just being able to talk to people, converse. And so that's 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 the thing for me.
Um, I love going to events, so I'm glad things are opening up now because I like to be able to reach out and touch people. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that no, that was nice. Yeah. Now, I mean, I think about excuses. My biggest excuse is I don't feel like it. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I need to finish my book. I don't feel like writing today. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to do some social media stuff. Oh, I don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. So then I just switch it. And I ask myself, will I feel like having the result? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. I'm very like black or white. Mm -hmm. Yes, I will. Okay, Chris, let's just write 500 words. Yeah. Just get 500 words down. Then you get to go do something you want to do. Like, you know, something you're excited about. Yeah. Inevitably, you sit down and write 500 words, you write 5,000 words. And it's mm -hmm. like, you have a, you have a killer session and you just, you just have to get over that initial stumbling block. And that's one thing I do as the no excuses coach is really just get people like, what is your excuse? How can you reframe your excuse and to be a power, be full an igniter for you to get off your ass to take responsibility for that. So I see your mm -hmm. posts. I mean, you're, they're amazing. You're doing your workouts and inspiring people. You're getting out there doing it. So that's right. the way you just think about it. Like, I get to do this. I get to go inspire somebody without even having physical contact with them. I get mm -hmm. to inspire them. And then I get to go rock my world and do the things I want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've got this, I've got my planner by me all the time too. So. Oh, nice. You're, you're, you're a writer. I've, you've yeah. got a planner. I, I keep yellow pads all around me. Nice. Like there's nice. one next to the couch. I'm constantly like, Oh, I've got an idea. I went to the beach on Saturday, took my yellow pad, came up with some ideas for my group coaching program. Yeah. So yeah, you got to write shit down. Yeah. Yeah. When you can see it, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. I got to thank you for being here on the Ron and Scripted Show, Tracy. This has been amazing. We've already been going for 51 minutes. I try to keep it under an hour for people watching and listening, but where can people get a hold of you and continue the conversation? Yeah, they can go to uh, Facebook. I am the Reset Coach on Facebook or Tracy Randolph. I am also on Instagram at, um, at the underscore reset underscore coach. They can email me at Tracy R at the reset global.com or they can go to my website, which is the reset coach.com. Damn, that was almost like it was planned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told, we ran through these before we went on the yeah. show. Most of the time I don't run through them with people, but I wanted to make sure I got them right. So again, ladies and gentlemen, connect with her IG at the underscore reset underscore coach. And these will be all in the show notes. If you guys are what, listening to this on the podcast, you guys know where to go to see the video cast. You guys can get all these. Tracy, I'm going to ask you also before I forget, can you mm -hmm. go put a link into that uh, volcanic cleanse that you were talking about uh, sure. in the show afterwards? Yeah, yeah, so that way it'll, it'll just live on forever because I know people will appreciate that. But yes, definitely go to theresetcoach.com and check out Tracy. She's a phenomenal person. Like I said, I've had the opportunity to work with her as an MC for the Power We Symposium. Got a chance to talk about parenting and everything else. You're just such an amazing person. I did not, I, I probably knew, but I probably immediately forgot. I can't believe you're over 50. Ah, that just, thank that you. just blows my mind. I'm like thank thinking you. you're in your 30s. You look no, amazing. That feels good, you're though. Radiant. Thank you. You're radiant. Keep rocking who you are, sister, because I value you and I appreciate you. And I know so many other people in the world do. And I know your son does. So thank you for being a kick-ass mom to him as well. Thank you. I appreciate you, big bro. You rock. I'm going to put you backstage for a second and finish out the show. Don't go anywhere. And then I want to talk to you for a sec, but uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. 53 minutes, the Ron and Scripted Show, every single Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Let's talk about what we got out of this. But first, I want to capture a couple of comments. I forgot to, to capture these. Um, Daniel had, uh, Daniel had uh, captured this. He says, because I said so is always the go-to answer, talking about parenting. That was probably what Daniel, Daniel heard from uh, his mom, Jeanette. Um, and then we got uh, Robert in the house. Uh, Robert says here he is... Um, He's building more relationships. 
Awesome, Robert. Appreciate that. And he says, clarity is actually the main topic of discussion on the other stream too. Robert is always multitasking. Thank you, Robert, for being here. Appreciate you guys all being here live or on the replay. But listen, here's the crux of the conversation tonight. You got to take ownership and responsibility for you. You. So many of you guys are out there focusing on everybody else. You're worried about what other people think. You're sitting there living in fear and you're, you, you got this little bit of curiosity going on. Like, can I do this? Can I really do this? Can I make that jump? And you heard Tracy talk about that. She made that jump. She spent seven years planning for that jump, but she did it properly. And then she made that jump. She said, no excuses. I'm going to go do this because I want to be there for my son. I want to be there for myself. I don't want to continue having a stressful life, putting stress within my body, on my body, and then ultimately having another diagnosis that I have to go through and fight again. Life is short, ladies and gentlemen. Life is so short. We are here to either live or exist. And so many people out there, I don't think the guys that are watching the, the show right now are existing, but that's my purpose. That's my intention every single day when I wake up. And I do set that intention to say that Christopher Roush will make a difference in the world by the things he does and the things he says. That is my God's honest truth that I want to do for you guys. I want to inspire you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, so oftentimes we want that safety and that security and everything else. But once you step out and you say, listen, if I just get uncomfortable once a week, once a week, seven days in a week, I want you to get uncomfortable once. That's 52 situations of getting uncomfortable. Let me ask you a question. Do you think after 52 experiences of getting uncomfortable that you would be more comfortable getting uncomfortable? Without a doubt. So why not do it? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of what other people are going to say. I'm afraid of success. Listen, you can look through life through two lenses. You get to choose the lens of fear or the lens of love. And if you love yourself and if you love life and you have kids and you want to set the example for them, take those risks. But first, it starts with your self-care. First, it starts with loving yourself. So I'm going to ask you this question. Do you love yourself? Yes or no? And obviously, you're not, you don't need to answer me. You can answer me privately if you'd like. But that's the first spot. The second spot is, are you taking care of yourself? Yes or no? Are you getting proper hydration? Are you, I mean, the studies say drink half your body weight in ounces of water every day get some proper nutrition, eat from the outsides of this grocery store. Chris, I can't afford that. Well, let me ask you another question. Can you afford later on in life to be spending a whole bunch of money on prescriptions and doctor's visits because you're fucking diabetic or your cholesterol's high or you got high blood pressure because you didn't take care of yourself because you ate fast food because it was cheap. Trust me, I've talked to people. I have talked to people. They regret the shit they ate before because they could have easily eaten fruits and vegetables like we were talking about, you know, using supplements, using herbs, like Tracy was saying, you know, that's what I'm going through right now. I'm 53 and I know that I can no longer eat McDonald's and all of their shit all the time. So guess what? Now it's once in a while, but other than that, fruits and vegetables, organic chicken, things of that nature, nuts, um, making sure that I'm taking care of myself, hydrating. As you can see, my skin is beautiful. You know, that's what you do. You got to take care of yourself and get out there. And then lastly, the advice I want to leave you with is make sure you're surrounding yourself with beautiful people like Tracy. You know, if she connected with you, please reach out to her on any of the different social medias that um, she put up there. Connect with her, work with her, because when you reset your life and you reset your mind, just think about what different places you'll be in in 12 months, six months, even three months. Trust me, it happens. I see it every single day with my own clients. So do us a favor here, support Tracy, go check her out, have a complimentary coaching session with her, whatever it is that she might be offering, go connect with her and work with her because she's a brilliant soul. I've seen it in action. And for you guys, for you guys, just go out there and live your life unapologetically. Just go fly your freak flag. 
Stop waiting. Stop waiting. That dash between your birthday and your end date, that's your life. Nobody else is going to come live it for you. Nobody else is going to come save you. Just go live your life now. Go do shit that makes you happy. And if it doesn't make you happy, ask yourself why you're doing it. If you're doing it because you think you have to, then analyze that question. I have to. Why? Why do I have to? You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Obviously, you got to take care of yourself and take care of others, but there's more ways to do that. I'm the No Excuses Coach, and I love you guys. Thank you for being here on the Raw and Scripted Show. We'll be back here next Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And as always, check out the pod, the audio podcast. It is wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Raw and Scripted. If you need to, put in No Excuses Coach. You'll find me. You'll find the Raw and Scripted Show. You'll find the Unfiltered Experience. You'll even find the Rainbows in Real Life show that I do once a month with my dear friend Pamela Aubrey. And then you're going to find the new podcast that I told you about in the beginning of the show. So if you want to find out about the new podcast, go back and listen to the first part of the show if you're just catching us here in the middle. I love you guys. Stay kick-ass and classy. We'll see you next time on the Raw and Scripted Show. I love you guys. Cheers.